Hey, this is Rabbi Zev Bennett. You're listening to the Daily Halacha, Kabbalah, and Machshava podcast series. Thanks so much for tuning in. If you're enjoying this content, head over to www.yesodblocks.com where you can subscribe or even open just a free account and get access to a lot of the content that we have at Yesodblocks. And uh, after you get past that limited amount of content, you're going to love it so much, you're just going to have to subscribe and support what we're doing and learn so much more Torah, life-changing perspectives, and really a level of understanding of Torah that is way beyond just the inspirational or reactive approaches to sort of just learning things to to just uh, contrast with the things that we already know. But instead, we're talking about full-on developed frameworks that when you understand them properly and you have all the parts in place, it activates your life in a way that is profoundly beyond, I think, what most of us ever imagined was even possible in the world. We are in Siman. Actually, we just finished up Siman yesterday, so we're now up to a new Siman. This is Siman Memtet. Siman 49. And as always, the goal here is to take a halacha and dig down to the deep Kabbalah and Machshava layers that are underneath so you can really experience halacha in a deep way so you can actually use it in a way that activates your mind and your thoughts and your emotions and your perceptions and all that should now become integrated into the experience of living halacha. That's the whole goal. And the flip side of that is if you're a person who is very spiritual and very connective and you don't really relate to halacha, the idea is to now show you how halacha is actually not just a possible way to access spirituality, but really is the it's the chariot. It kind of carries the spiritual side and manifests it in incredibly nuanced and specific ways that allow us to really, really get to a spiritual level in a very granular form where all these little pockets of ourselves, because every halacha kind of corresponds to some part of our inner self, so we can really access every little pocket within ourselves and really um, and, and activate it and, and actualize it and manifest it in the world. That's what halacha is supposed to be. It's the ultimate end result of true, deep, profound Torah perceptions, Torah thoughts, and emotions that are uh, correlating and, and analogs to those underlying perspectives of reality, and so we are going to learn this. This is this this is again just like the previous two episodes. We have this very short halacha here before we get into some bigger things uh, in in the next few episodes. And this one is really it's called Sheyachol Lomar Kriyashma Baal There's a halacha here. This section Siman Memtes forty nine. You're allowed to say Kriyashma by heart. So what exactly is the significance of this this halacha? Um, first of all, Kriyashma literally means we have every day, twice a day, we're supposed to recite three paragraphs from the Torah. And one is the paragraph of Shema Yisrael, very famous because it's uh, known to be the paragraph that is super important. People are actually often, people are, are have been documented that when they're on the verge of death or, God forbid, in some kind of situation where they're under attack, they say Shema Yisrael think, when they're in danger, thinking that they want that, that to be the last thing that they ever say. Um, if they're going to die, and that's something which comes from the Gemara. We have a story about Rabbi Akiva who does that. He says the Pasuk Shema Yisrael when he's about to be murdered by uh, the, 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 uh, the people at the time who are trying to basically force him to stop living the Torah life, and that's when he died he said that Pasuk. So um, the, uh, the, that's the first paragraph is that one, and there's two other paragraphs that are all found. Um, one, one, of the, one of them is found in Parshas of Eishchanan, that's, that's the Shema Yisrael, Paragraph. Then in Parshas Akev, we have the part, the second paragraph of Vayayim Shamoa, and then in Parshas Shlach, at the very end, we have the last paragraph, which is about uh, the Parsha of Tzitzit, 
and ends off with a, a reference to uh, to Hashem taking us out of Mitzrayim, out of Egypt. And so uh, these are the three paragraphs that we say every day, once in the morning and once in the evening. And so here, this halacha is that you're actually allowed to say those paragraphs by heart. Now, you might be wondering, why is that even necessary to say? Of course, you could say them by heart. Many people do. So the Shulchan Aruch here quotes the halacha that he writes is, Af al-gav, even though the kaimalan that we, that we paskin, we have this halachic ruling, Things that are part of the Torah, the written Torah, you're not allowed to speak them by heart. You have to read them only. He says that he qualifies it and says, Any part of the Chumash, any part of the Torah that is known to everyone, and that is that is smoothly in people's mouths. In other words, they can recite it by heart because they say it routinely all the time. Like Kriyashma, Birkas Kohanim, or the Bracha of Birkas Kohanim, that we say every day, So you see, it's Shagor Bifi. I can say that very easily because I say it every day, so therefore I, I can say it by heart. I don't have to read it out of the text. Uparshas HaTamid, also the paragraph of the Korban Tamid that's found in Parshas Pinchas. Behen, other things that are like that, Mutar. You're allowed to say all of those uh, by heart. So he quotes here this halacha that the, you're not allowed to actually say um, uh, paragraphs of the Torah by heart unless they're the kinds of things that are known to everyone and everyone commonly says them every day, so therefore everyone knows them by heart. And the Mishnah Brewer here brings a few qualifications to this. When exactly is this true? When is it not true? But the point is that this is the main halacha here and that generally speaking, uh, we, are, we are pretty lenient about this because most people simply don't quote things from the Chumash, oftentimes because not that many people know the Chumash by heart or know enough of the Chumash to really quote anything from it. Um, but things that you do know by heart, so you're allowed to quote them and you're allowed to say them by heart, assuming they are widely known. But normally, if they were not widely known, so you can't, you're not allowed, you're not supposed to just say things that are from the Chumash by heart. And the, 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 of course, we want to try to figure out, well, what is, what is the underlying reason for that? Why, why is there, this sounds like there's this ruling that we, can, that we have to read from the Chumash as opposed to just saying things that we know from it by heart. So in order to explain that, we have to understand kind of a little bit about what the Torah exactly is. So the Torah really has two aspects, and this is pretty well known already. The Torah has something, this, the part that's called the Torah Shebechsav, which is the written Torah. And then we have the Torah Shebaal Peh, which is often tra- translated as the oral Torah. But actually, the the fact that one is written and one is oral is, is a little misleading. First of all, it's misleading nowadays because a lot of the oral Torah actually is written down nowadays. And that's because we basically were not able to remember what it was before, uh, essentially anymore, and therefore people had to start writing things down so you wouldn't lose the oral Torah. So we have to really construct for a second here what exactly is the Torah Shabbat and what is the Torah Shabbat and what is the relationship between them. And I think what you'll, what you'll find is that it's actually very different than what we tend to imagine when we think about these things. So... As I've discussed in the past, the world of halacha can be thought of as like 5% of the lived experience of a person. In other words, we are the, a very funny thing. We have like all these layers, the stack, the spheros, the olamos stack that we use. So you are this neshama that has perception, that you that uses, that come, well, let's put it like this, a neshama that is intangible and beyond beyond measurable existence you're not really in a place you're not you're not physical so you can't be localized in any way and then there's this channel this funnel this transmission technology which is what the body is in all of its layers and it starts from the most intangible which is the perceptual space and the thought space underneath that and then the emotional space and then the physical physiological space and basically that entire stack that construct is how you transmit your neshama your consciousness into the actual physical manifest world and so the, if you actually look at the at the total stack and your experience of it 
as you are the one who is experiencing it, right? You're experiencing your own thoughts. You're experiencing your own feelings. You're experiencing your perceptions. You experience your own physiology. So you're the one experiencing all of that. The only part that's actually physically manifest externally that other people can now experience and encounter is the physical side. It's the behavior side, the things that you say and do that actually then reach the outside world. So that, that's about 5%, though, of the totality of what you are. You ever have a situation where you feel like you, you, you're, you're saying something to somebody and, they don't, and you feel like they, they're just not getting what you mean? And inside of you, you have so many thoughts and, and feelings and intentions that are going on, and they're only getting just the words that you're hearing. And oftentimes, we have a very hard time hearing our own, hearing how we sound to somebody else because we hear not only the words that we say, we hear all of our thoughts and intentions and we kind of just assume that the words that we're saying capture that, but in fact they don't. Words are just boxes and they only have a specific size and they can't really carry everything that's inside of you to the other person. That's why people who are empathic are incredibly useful because they can actually try to resonate and feel and be more observant of the inner currents within somebody else's inner world so that way when they hear their words they can be much more understanding of what they probably mean because they're very attuned to looking for those underlying intentions and thoughts and feelings because they recognize this dichotomy that the, that that only five percent actually makes it to the outside. The outside is the is the five percent, and then the rest of the ninety five percent of you is still within in the inner space and is never seen in the light of day. It's just all your feelings and thoughts. They're just uh, you never really get to actually see them outside. So that's why I like I always think of halacha as only being five percent of Torah because if you think of Torah as a map of the macro phenomenon of all of existence, which is Hashem's self, and then how Hashem's self translates into all the manifestations of the universe that we experience. So only 5% of that is the actual physical manifestation that we encounter and that we perceive directly. But then underneath, as I'm sure you're aware, if you know anything about science, I mean, there's just layers and layers and layers to, to being that we now are able to measure more and more atomic levels and, and quantum levels and, and gravitational levels and all these things that we can't see but that are all going on behind the scenes. And there's even deeper things beneath that, the forces that exist that give rise to all the physical phenomena of existence. So that's like the 95%. And that's what most of the Torah actually talks about, those hidden layers. And then we have the parts of the Torah that talk about the uh, the practical and the physical. So the, the, the Torah in its entirety is really, you know, kind of set up to mirror that, that same proportion in terms of the universe. And it's also set up to mirror that same proportion in terms of us. In other words, 5% of the Torah talks about halacha and how to be and how to do things in the physical, practical world. But then the other 95% is really about all the deep truths that are within the human being and the way that those things are structured. And that's, you know, that's that's the Medrash and, and all the Agathas and even a lot of the Halachic Gemaras relate to those kinds of things, this, this sugyas of Kinyanim and Da'as and, and there's just so much that's going on underneath that is even even manifest in the actual Torah Sanigla, the revealed Torah that's in the Gemara. And obviously there's just so much Medrash and Zohar and Kabbalah and all these things that are all essentially can be quantified as the as the inner map of all these things, you know, of the of the hidden side of the inner space of a person. And so you can think of the same thing as true in terms of the Torah Shabbat and Torah Shabbat Pet. Torah Shabbat can be described as essentially the, the fixed aspect of Torah. By fixed, I mean it doesn't change. All the words are the same. It stays that way forever. This, these are the words of the Torah, and, you're, and it's, it's embodied in a physical form. It has to, it's, those letters are written down, and they are now fixed in the world. When you write something down, like if you ever wrote a book, it's fixed. You know, you can't, even if your intentions were a million times bigger than the actual words that you put on the page, only the words actually make it through 
to the next, uh, you know, to the other person. And so that's the b'chsav side. The written Torah is like the body, and the, it's like the physical manifestation of the Torah in the world. And so that's 5%. And then the rest of it, you know, the, the Torah Shabbal Peh, is the inner space of the Torah. It's all of the dynamism, all the change, all the different intentions, the ideas, how they, how they move and fit, depending on the circumstances of the real world and how to apply it. All of that is all the inner space of the Torah. And so... That's important for like a million reasons, but one of the one of the reasons is just that when we actually learn the Torah, so the halacha that's described here is you're supposed to actually read the Torah Shabbat so you actually can recognize uh, that it's 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 difference in terms of it's it's the carrying, it's the body, it's the chariot for the Torah Shabbat Now, why is that so important? So if you think about how it works with people, so when you're when you encounter another person, all you get is the Torah Shabbat of them, the physical manifestation, and what you're supposed to do is you're supposed to actually delve into what it is that you're seeing. Let's imagine that you see somebody who they have water coming out of their eyes. So I use that phrase on purpose, right? Like water coming out of somebody's eyes as actually it means that they're crying usually. And so when you see someone with water coming out of their eyes, you now start to create all these extrapolations as to what's going on beneath the surface. You do this in, in, implicitly all the time. We all do this. And all you're really seeing is water coming out of salt water, really, coming out of their eyes. And so, you know, if you actually just related to them externally in that way without looking for that underlying um, uh, meaning or intent that's there, so then you'd actually be like you'd be like a socially off type of person and you'd, you'd essentially be viewed as like a weird person because you're just like, hey, why do you have water coming out of your eyes? I don't understand. But we all understand that if there's water coming out of somebody's eyes, that, that that's actually an external marker that has a whole series of layers of underlying uh, intent meaning essentially and then you can extrapolate like okay well if someone has water coming out of their eyes there's only two options there's the much less likely one uh, which you can rule out pretty quickly based on other facial cues and body cues that maybe they're having an allergic reaction of some kind uh, or they're very upset emotionally and they're struggling with something and then it's then you can actually then you're already in the inner space and you're trying to think about what's going on beneath the surface and so the same thing is true with the Torah Shabbat when you read the Torah Shabbat if you just look at it and you just and you don't think and you're just reading it in like a very well th these are the words that it says and that's all I can really relate to and that just seems strange why would it say that you're not really relating to it as a, as you would relate to a body so for example very often people describe Hashem, they, talk, they, they read some part of the Chumash where Hashem uh, punishes somebody, and they say, look, God is a vengeful, punishing God. And that's like a real problem, because what you're doing is, it's kind of like if you see a parent yelling at a child, or a parent criticizing, or a parent punishing a child. You see a parent punishing a child, and you say, oh, look at that person, they're abusing that other person, it's so wrong. That, that, per that person is like a really harsh, punishing type of person. And you're missing all the context because you're just taking out the pieces that you particularly are, are interested in observing. And then you're not trying to see anything else. And so that's actually, a, anytime that somebody is on the, on the receiving end of such an analysis, so it's actually very insulting. It ends up being like, you're, like, you don't see me, you don't understand anything that you're seeing. You're misconstruing it. It's very unjust. It's very distorted. And everybody feels that way when they're in that position. I mean, we all felt that way in school whenever something happened and we were misunderstood as to what happened. And then we got, we were held responsible for something which we didn't even do um, simply because teachers and principles oftentimes simply jump to conclusions and, and are quick to assign consequences consequences and punishments. And so that's exactly the same thing here. It's like we we when we relate to a body of a person, so then we, we are aware that there's a large story. So if you see water coming out of somebody's eyes, you don't say, hey look, a water fountain. What you say instead is let me and you you first you are aware of other cues. You see their facial expression, they look like they're they're making face, facial expressions that we interpret as sadness. You see from the way they're maybe they're sitting or they're holding themselves, maybe that they, they're upset about something, and you put that all together and you create a, try to create a larger understanding of the inner space, the oral Torah, the inner world of the person. So that's also true with Torah Shabbat And so, first of all, what's so what's happening in this halacha is that 
the Shulchan Aruch is telling you there's actually a halacha that says you have to read the Torah um, in a way that that uh, that that relates to it like a body. You have to actually read it from the text because that that's its proper form. You can't ignore the body. You can't ignore the carrier, the chariot of, of the Torah. And that's true also with people. You can't ignore the body, ignore what they say, and just focus only on whatever you think the inner world is. You have to anchor yourself in what's there in the body level. But then I'm just adding this element to just just to just to make sure this is clear in terms of the dichotomy here of the oral and the written Torah. That the idea here is to use the body to get to the underlying thing, and you have to really learn both of those things. Like you have to learn the oral Torah so you can make sure you don't you don't um, ignore certain things. If you're talking to a person who is uh, who's who, let's imagine there was a person who never was able to actually be sad. So and you saw that person having water coming out of their eyes. So if you know that truth of them, they can never be sad. You wouldn't say, "Oh, this person is sad now." You'd be like, "This it must be something else." And so you need to collect, like what we do in a relationship with anybody, we collect information about them so we can properly read what they're doing. So we collect data. How do they look on the outside? But also, what does it tell us about the inside? What do they tell us when they explain themselves? When they talk about themselves? When they share their feelings? So we try to absorb information about them and learn them more deeply. That's exactly the same thing with the Torah here. It's that you can learn the Torah on the Bechsav level, which is the physical side. And then you also, and you need to be very attentive to it, all its various cues, which is why in Halacha you're actually supposed to learn the entire Chumash and know it, because you can't just know certain parts, then you get a distorted understandings of what's going on. And similarly, you have to know what's, what are the underlying intentions, what's the inner world of the Torah, and oftentimes these things are distorted there, and that's, you know, essentially why there is Yesod Blocks, why there is a, a, a Halacha Kabbalah Machshava Yesod Blocks podcast series, is because a lot of the time, we, especially when we only teach Halacha in school, and we only teach little parts of the Chumash, and we don't really learn these things in a holistic and, and overarching type of way, then it creates a situation where people know a lot of Halacha, they don't really connect it in terms of the larger framework, they just kind of know a bunch of details, and then the Chumash also, they might know a lot of commentaries, you might learn certain parts of the Chumash with commentaries, but what is the book about? I mean, we have a whole series about this called the Chumash Cast uh, on Yisod Blocks, which is literally about how to see the whole Chumash and properly understand how it all fits together, and the big picture story, and the, and, and the wild part about that series is that there actually is one, there actually is is a big picture story, and there's, you know, oftentimes people think of the Chumash, there's a lot of different opinions, different explanations, different, different um, interpretations, and the funny thing about that is that that's kind of true, but those interpretations all fall uh, under the macro story, which is not really an, an open to interpretation type of situation. In other words, the macro story of the Chumash is like a pretty uh, fixed story in a certain kind of way, and then there's kind of like different ways you could perceive some of the details of that story and how they play out, but ultimately none of them really deviate very far from like the mac or at all from the macro story. So it's kind of like, you know, if, if you love somebody and you buy them a gift, let's say you buy them, uh, so let's say you buy your wife jewelry, as just an example. So like, there, like there's a couple of interpretations of why that particular jewelry, like it could be because of this thing, it could be a couple of different layers of intent. But the overarching story of the love that's there between you and your wife and that how that gift is an expression of that, that's not really up for interpretation. Like if it's not that, the only other option for buying somebody a gift is as a, as a bribe of some kind. So if the, if the gift you just bought is not a gift of love, it's a gift of a bribe, then the story is a different story now. So, and you, the way to assess what the story is, is by learning the story holistically. Look at the whole life that, you, that, the, that the person has with their wife. You can assess, okay, well, what, why was that gift being given? But, but that, that's not, that, that, there, you can't have two interpretations of that. The, the, once you assess that the story is a story of love, if you interpret it as a bribe, then you're now learning the wrong story. Like you're, you're actually, essentially, you're, re, you're reading it falsely. So that would be a very destructive thing to do. And so there are interpretations only within a macro story 
but like the interpretations are, are detail level differences that are, and, and all the different interpretations are true because all intentions, when a person buys a gift for his loved one, those different intentions are probably all there in some form. So, you know, and each of them is, is relevant to the storyline, but the macro storyline is not open to interpretation. It's really a, it's a, it's an overarching story. And that, that, that awareness unfortunately is lacking very often in school systems and how the Chumash is taught and how Halacha is taught. It creates a tremendous fragmentation and then people really don't experience the Torah in an or integrated way. And that's really where we start having to need podcasts like this and Yisod Blocks, you know, platforms and all kinds of things like that, all kinds of uh, people sharing these things to try to bring the Torah to where it's more clearly understood and what it really is in terms of how it's structured. Okay, so hope that was helpful in terms of this halacha. We're going to continue with the next siman in the next episode, and I uh, hope you took something uh, useful out of this, a lot of different thoughts here, but hopefully they were all coherent and integrated and they were understandable. And thanks so much for joining, for tuning in. Check us out at yourselblocks.com and subscribe to support what we're doing, and looking forward to having you join me in the next episode.